Water Walkers podcast. Every Christ follower experiences moments like Peter when Jesus called him out of the boat and onto the water. This podcast can help encourage other leaders as we learn to follow the voice of Jesus as Peter did. Today, I'm excited to introduce Brett Felton. Brett served in the U.S. Army across two wars and is a disabled combat veteran and has since been a Department of Defense contractor in many different roles. He grew up in the United States, but he's also lived in the Middle East and in North Africa. Brett even volunteered in Iraq to provide aid to persecuted minorities who were suffering against ISIS. He met Jesus in 2015 and has since started a nonprofit called Servants of the Way that serves persecuted believers in the Middle East and Africa. And as you'll soon see, Brett is very passionate about the persecuted church and the destiny of the global church. His story is very thought-provoking to me, and I hope it encourages you today. Be sure to check out the link to his nonprofit, Servants of the Way, in the show notes as you enjoy our conversation. So welcome, Brett. I'm so thankful to have you on the podcast. I know there's a, quite a bit of traveling that you do that we'll talk about, and so sometimes we're figuring out time zones and times we were going to meet uh, but I'm really glad that this worked out where uh, I've followed you on LinkedIn and been inspired by a lot of what you share and a lot of what you do. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my audience and let other people be exposed to that as well, because I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. So, man, good morning and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's uh, it's an honor and I'm I'm humbled that uh, you invited me to do this and and to have a discussion and uh, however we can bring glory to God, uh, let us do it, right? So thank you very much for today. That's right. So your icebreaker question that we picked just to kind of get the ball rolling, I'd love for you to share a little bit of your backstory, but maybe this icebreaker question can be a chance to get the ball rolling. It's just to ask, if you could relive one day from your past, what day would it be and why? Okay, so now I know this is a Mark Twain quote. Uh, the quote goes, you know, that the two greatest days of a man's life are, are the day he was born and the day he found out why. Um, for me personally, that day that I found out why I was here, uh, that was the day I was born again. Um, yeah. It was uh, the most supernatural experience I've, I've ever experienced. And uh, I really wish I could live that day again. I would, I would try to slow it down, knowing what mm -hmm. I know now, uh, the significance of that day. Um, I, I would have taken everything in a little slower and uh, not just treated it like any other day. So to me, that was, that's the day I would do over. And it's also the day I'm, I'm most thankful for. So, yeah. No, that's a great answer. I often hear people talk about their wedding day and just these days that seem to fly by, but that's one of the most, I mean, I remember these pivotal moments of building my relationship with Jesus and really being encountered by him in a real way where it became personal. And uh, that's really important to my life as well. So that's a wonderful answer and a wonderful quote. So thank you so much for sharing that. So if you don't mind, uh, just giving a little bit of backstory on uh, who you are, where you're from, and, and a bit of what you do. And if, if you don't mind, share a little bit about your service time in the military, which again, so thankful for. Thank you so much for your service. Oh, and uh, and then kind of what developed from there? Uh, who I am, I'm 
I'm in no one really. Uh, I'm I'm a servant of the Lord. Uh, I mean, I was I was born and raised in in Michigan, and uh, when I'm not overseas, you know, this is where I reside. This is this is where my family is. 2005, you know, is when I graduated high school, and uh, the war in, in Iraq was was still very new. You know, that was 2003. Um, so right out of high school, I uh, I decided uh, to do my part. Well, at least try to do my part. Uh, so I, I joined the military. Uh, I was uh, 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman. Um, my my role within that was I was a, a squad automatic uh, weapon a saw gunner, a machine gunner, and I was a crow's gunner, which is the common remote operated weapon system. It, it's it's the gun on top of the Humvee, without a person standing up there. Uh, yeah. You sit in the back seat and you have a a computer and and a joystick. And that's wow. how you you operate uh, the system instead of standing up there and, and gunning it. And uh, from there, we spent some time in in Kuwait and uh, approximately 15 months in Iraq. Um, wow. In 2006 to to 2007, which was a a very interesting time of that war. Uh, yeah. It was it was interesting. Yeah. So what what was your transition like out of that uh, moving into what you've been doing more lately with defense contracting? So I, I would say minus one, approximately one year span, I, I've spent my my entire adult life uh, in some way working with uh, the the defense department, whether um, in the military, whether it be in the military, or uh, to me, it was a very natural transition uh, to defense contracting because I was young, I had no real experience, uh, I guess work-wise outside of the military, which doesn't always translate. But it was an industry sure. I knew. Um, my father retired out of the defense industry, and so. There's always an influence on a child from the parent, and it, and it's far more significant than than people believe it to be. You often see the children following in the footsteps of of the parents. You know, for instance, me, a son, and his father. You know, my father served in the military, did defense contracting, and and whether I had planned it or not, that's the road I followed too. Now I'm not as smart as him. So I had an easier job to get into in the military, and uh, he's a double E as to where God knows I, me and math don't get along. So we took the similar path, just different roles. So it, it, I would say it was an easy transition. I, I love the end user. Um, I love the soldier, and uh, I really wanted my work and, and my efforts to to, to be for someone who I care about, right? So yeah, automobile was never interesting, not a car guy, everyday car driver, not very interesting, but but to work on something with the end user being the soldier, 
uh, yeah. that was very motivating for me. And, and that's what kept me in this uh, industry since 2009, 2000, end of 2008, 2009. And that's yeah. just kind of where I've been ever since. Yeah, wow. So along the way, in that journey after 2009 is around the time when you met Jesus. And so could you yes. share a little bit of just the testimony of that, the circumstances and how that really changed your life? Yeah, so it's it was an interesting walk for me. And, and what I'm going to say, I, I, I don't mean to offend anyone. Um, I, I, I love everyone, uh, regardless of what they believe, what church they attend, what religion. But I spent, since the time I was born, I was baptized uh, Roman Catholic. Uh, up until 2015, um, I was a Roman Catholic, and I was very adamant and, and, and fervent in my beliefs. And uh, I guess I, I never experienced the personal relationship with Christ in a manner which the Bible explains and in which I've, I've seen people personally experience. I, um, I never had that. Um, yeah, I thought I did. You know, I, I I believed myself to be saved, but as as I as I dug more into the Word and didn't rely so much on say a priest and 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 what they said, I realized a lot of stuff through my walks in life. One of them being, there's no good works I could ever do to obtain salvation and and I believed that I I thought that was possible and and so I, I went further further into the word prayer fasting and searching for Christ and and thanks be to God he tells us that you knock he will answer but yeah. you really have to search with with everything with your heart your mind your soul your being your strength and and until you do that you won't have that personal relation. So I, I was born again when I uh, returned back from overseas. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful because I, when I lived in Africa, for instance, I very poor, but they had something I didn't have. Uh, mm. They had that spark in them. They, they had that relationship for God. Uh, with God, excuse me, um, and and all of it was was very properly motivating uh, because we have you know everything here and and I and I seen how little they have, how poor they were, but how happy they were, how how yeah. thankful they were, how they thank God for everything. Now in the West, you could sit down to a steak and a nice glass of wine, and and you you don't. Thank God, but they're they're eating cassava, which is is like a root, like a uh, it's kind of like a potato, and a yeah. glass of water, and they're eternally grateful. They're eternally yeah. thankful, and so that was a big part of of that's what I wanted, and so that really helped to lead me. The circumstances I lived in and experienced with others, and and I saw what they had, um, that that really got me deeper into the word and into prayer. And uh, that was a big part of, of me becoming born again. Yeah. Uh, was, was God 
putting me in, in these experiences. And, uh, you know, had I have not gone through and fought two wars, had I have not lived in, in Africa, the Middle East and difficulties, I, I don't think I would be here today in the current state I'm in. Uh, I would mm. be unsaved and struggling just sure. as I did most of my life until 2015. Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful story. So even with the years, with the years before that time of really meeting Jesus in a personal way, I mean, we, you see the world through a particular lens and you were feeling some disruption and just a hunger for there's got to be something more. And you really searched and pressed into that. And how has that changed after meeting Jesus? Just the lens that you see your work and the world through, you know, before that time, you could probably saw life and in, in your work one way, but after that time of meeting Jesus, how has that changed? Is there a difference in how you see what you do and, and what you're living for? There's a difference in everything. I mean, literally everything. Um, you, you really realize that everything means nothing once you have Christ, right? Um, once you have salvation, once you have that relationship, before I, I, I looked at life and, and what I can achieve for me, you know, what I aspire to be, what I want to accomplish, I, 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 right? Yeah. Ego, self. After Christ, now when I say supernatural, I mean, to this day, I, I, I can explain it in the sense it was God. I can't explain the how, but I remember I was, I was driving and uh, it was the, the most insane thing. Uh, I just started smiling as I'm driving and I'm looking out and I, I'm looking at the trees. Beautiful. The grass, it's green. Beautiful. Uh, I started to just see just beauty everywhere. And then the, the issues I had internalized, stuff at that time that I struggled to deal with, that was bothering me for whatever reason, every one of those thoughts just, just came into my mind and, and it was like a, a weird laugh because I, I just, I, all of it I saw at once through a different lens and I realized that all the stuff I struggled to deal with, I had to experience. I needed to. Wow. Um, all the issues I had in the bigger scheme of things, they were they were not issues at all. Uh, I was focused on on this life, uh, my life in this world, and that was my focus until uh, I realized that that's the wrong way to look at stuff. It's what does God want me to do? What is yeah. God's plan for me? Uh, what can I do to bring God glory? Not me, not Brett, but God. So everything is is now looked at. It, it's the lens is is different. It's it's much different now. I'm looking at the bigger picture, the kingdom picture. Uh, why am I here? I'm, I'm here to worship the Lord. Right. Uh, that's that's the point of my life, and because I've seen what God has done to me, the, 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 my greatest aspiration, my, my greatest joy is sharing that now with other people. 
on any platform I have whenever I can at any time. And so I've, I've, I've been able to remove myself from the picture, make myself less and make God more. And, uh, I've, I've never been better. Uh, it was the, the most surreal supernatural experience. Um, and, and, and I realized that what I was looking for, for all those years is it could be accomplished, but not through nothing, anything I've done, but yeah. through what God has done and who he is. So the perspective from, from work, from everything, it's just changed. And, and I have been removed as the focus and, and God has been put in place and, yeah. and thanks wow. God for that. Yeah. I wonder, do you have any encouragement for leaders? They could be business leaders or whatever context they're in, but that might feel like there's a distance or even a separation between their relationship with God and their work and maybe feel just the stress of the storms and trying to figure out how do I invite Jesus into this? Can those things be brought together and can I bring my faith into that spot? And, uh, and even just people I know who, who struggle under the weight and pressure of uh, sometimes feeling like those things are separated and maybe need to be or have to be or haven't been shown another way. So is there some encouragement that you could give for leaders who are feeling that way? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and, and first things first, there's, there's no separation between God and anything in your life. And if there is that area you'll struggle in more than, than any other area. Um, so God speaks to us, right? Um, but we have to listen. We have to, to read his word. We have to pray. Um, my advice, uh, for anyone in a leader, leadership position in, in any industry, any level of leadership, doesn't matter. Um, start your day off with a prayer, pray, um, give your problems to God. And what I do is I like to start off each morning. I have, you know, my coffee and, and before I open my email, I, I sit down with God's word. Uh, I reflect on it. And um, throughout the day, we make decisions. But how we make those decisions are based off of our values, our morals, our ethics. So, yeah. If you keep God's word close to your heart, now that doesn't mean you go out into the workforce and stop what people are doing. Well, Jesus said this. Jesus said that's that's not practical. Um, right. But it's it's if you have the the morals and values that Jesus taught: love, patience, kindness, meek, gentle, uh, and you apply these into your decisions throughout the day, there can never be any separation between how we conduct ourselves in a business environment versus outside of it, if, if you're obedient to, to what the Lord tells us. And then you realize um, all the problems and the stresses you had at work, um, they, just like life, they, they start to go away because you're addressing these issues with with the tools which God gave us 
as opposed to approaching it to how any normal carnal worldly man would like to approach it. And you see yourself truly uh, becoming more empathetic. Uh, you're not angry with the employees. You're understanding. You you yeah. want to encourage them. You don't want to chastise them. You're there to lead them. And that's the biggest one is, is uh, if you're in charge, supervisor of people, uh, you can either manage them or you can lead them. Uh, and, and anyone with, with the spirit in them will, will want to lead them. They, they'll want them to benefit and to grow and, and to do the best for themselves and, and, and their work life. And so you want the best for others as opposed to some management. All they do is chastise you, come down on you, sometimes for no reason, sometimes for a good reason. But even still, there's the values. There's other ways you can handle those circumstances. Um, so my best advice is, is, is when you trust God, trust him always. Don't yeah. trust him sometimes. Don't trust him with just your relationship with your wife or with your kids or with your friends, but trust him in everything. Uh, start the day off with prayer. Talk to God. Uh, he, he listens. Now, he may not give us the answer we want. We have to remember that. Sometimes the answer is no. Right. But he knows better. And and most importantly, get into the word. It it's people think this is a it's gotta be for hours at no. Spend five, ten minutes in your morning before you open your email. Sit down with your coffee, tea, water, whatever, wake up, get God's word in your mind first thing in the morning. And and it will have an effect on on the rest of your day, I promise, because you're yeah. starting out with something positive that will edify you rather than going to Yahoo or Fox right. or CNN and reading some ludicrous story about something that shouldn't even be news. It's so ridiculous. And, and the negatives of the world and, and start your day positive. And that's the projection and the path that will continue if 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 you live to how it tells us to live. So that would be my advice. That's really a great answer. And I love that, that distinction of types of leadership, that there's a type of leadership that Jesus modeled for us that's not just using the people that you're leading for your own gain, but it's right. actually pouring yourself out to build up the whole team and to build them up and to see them reach their greatest potential. So uh, what a great, I love that answer. I'm going to have to, I'm going to come back to that one regularly. So that's okay. great. I just was going to ask, uh, as you continued, um, you know, through your story and you came to uh, interact with persecuted minorities, you came to interact with even persecuted believers during your time in Africa and in the Middle East. And I wondered if you could just share a little bit about what you experienced, what type of persecution did they experience? What were the causes of that? And how did that impact you? Um, I, well, it's, it's, it's different per region. Um, yeah. But I would say the, the main forms of, of persecution, uh, depending where you're at, can be anything from death, um, sexual exploitation, all the way to stuff that in the West may not be important, but in, in these parts is 
it, it can be detrimental is to work cultural um, persecution, um, disowning, uh, abandoning. For a big one is, is disowning family members who have converted from uh, Islam to Christianity, right. uh, being shunned in a society, uh, economic persecution, such as uh, Pakistan, is to where uh, a lot of the Christians are only given jobs as menial laborers with a low pay and very difficult conditions such as brick building is um, right. is, is a big form. And, and in the West, you know, the, the cultural shunning and, and whatnot isn't, doesn't really have an effect. When you, uh, you live in a state with 10 million in a city with a couple hundred thousand with the ability to pick up, drive somewhere, start fresh, get a new job, et cetera. And to where these places, it's, it's not run that way, uh, much smaller. Uh, you don't have the means to go anywhere. So you're stuck at where you're at. Uh, you know, it, it also gets involved familial, uh, not being able to marry someone because of, of their beliefs. Um, there's a a lot of forms of persecution, uh, but you know, to me, the, the, the big one was in Iraq, um, when ISIS was in, uh, Nainawa in Mosul and all, almost all the surrounding villages, towns, and, and small cities uh, were abandoned. Uh, they had to flee, um, you know, women right. sold in into sex slavery, raped, men uh, ransomed, killed. Uh, I mean, you've seen what what they did to people back in Syria. It was it was brutal, and and it had a huge effect on me. Uh, yeah. Where do you go when you're driven from your home with minimal time to prepare? Uh, at the threat of, of being executed, or if you're a woman, worse, and then executed possibly, um, it, it, to, you just see the houses, they're all abandoned, right? Uh, right. All their belongings thrown on the ground, uh, their Bibles stepped on, page ripped out. Uh, you know, they might have little uh, reminders around the house, like a crucifix or like, a rosary hanging on the wall and stuff just just smashed just everything left there and they yeah. just in the span of a few hours were just uprooted uh and forced right. to leave and it's it, the the reason they were under threat is is because of their beliefs um yeah i mean imagine right you have kids i mean what would that we we don't it's very difficult to understand something like that in America and in the West because the the persecution here faced is much different yeah. than there and um but God puts people in 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 certain circumstances and God uses everyone for different things and and again you know this being one of those things I've experienced it, I would be hard pressed to not 
be affected or, or care enough right. to try to do something. Right. And, and it's not much I can do, but to see it and, and to not try, uh, yeah. you know, whatever I can do, however big or small it may be, it's, I just couldn't see stuff like that, be affected and not act. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's, I guess I, that's kind of how we got to servants of the way and uh, the goal to, to try to help uh, people, Christians in, in, in circumstances such as this throughout, you know, the Middle East, uh, Africa regions and, uh, and to spread the gospel. I mean, right. The help you can provide a, a brother in need is, is phenomenal, whatever it is, you know, even to get them food so them and their family can eat. But that has little weight when compared to sharing the gospel with someone who is not saved and, and planting the seed that God will water and, and eventually grow. Um, yeah. Even just one and one soul uh, is enough. If if everything I did throughout my life equaled nothing, but I was able to help lead one person to God, and then they became saved and obtained salvation through Yeshua, then my life was one hundred percent worth it everything i had to experience for that one person i would do again i would do 10 times worse uh because it's it's invaluable um to to give people the hope of of jesus and and who he is and you just see their life change right Um, yeah and again it's just the most supernatural experience um yeah the best gift that could ever be given. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to mention. Very I want to mention servants of the way again in a moment, and because uh, I want to be able to point people to that, so they can learn about that, uh, where to find that, and how to be involved. But I imagine with your experience of growing up the way that you did, and then encountering these persecuted minorities in the Middle East, uh, have you? Did you note? I'm sure you noticed some differences in how they practice their faith or what their priorities look like compared to a Western believer for us to practice our faith. It's like, we feel like we're putting ourselves on the cross to get in the minivan and drive our kids to church on Sunday. But in the middle East, it probably is a little bit different. And I think it's a different, a different level of sacrifice. And so I know it's not an exact, you know, comparison, but just to put ourselves for a moment in their shoes of just the difference of what they experience, what their priorities are like. Does it feel like those believers suffer the same kind of divisions that that we do typically in America, those kind of things? So experiences and priorities. Um, what I see in the West, and uh, this isn't about everyone, this is just, I see a lot of, um, cultural Christianity, right? Jesus is a part of the lives of the believer for one hour on Sunday, 
And it's like you said, you you feel like you're doing God a service, just getting the family together and and driving to church. You know, we beat our chest. Oh, look at look at how Christian I am. But then the other six days and 23 hours of the seventh day, Jesus has nothing to do with our lives. Uh, he's not in discussion. Uh, we're too busy talking about sports. He's not in our lives. You know, we're too busy with social media. Um, the Middle East and Africa, where I've been, for instance, there was a church, uh, brick built, um, no roof, no windows, and plastic lawn chairs. Uh, the the outcry and 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 the worship there was greater than any of the fanciest churches. I, I can go down the street from here, uh, not even three miles, and there is uh, that church has to be worth no less. I don't know. $15 million, something like that. Huge church, right? School, everything else. Uh, it's, I've never uh, seen God at work in, in a group of believers like I have in, in these instances. Uh, people praying at a church that's, it's, it's standing, but the inside was destroyed, everything broken, uh, stuff looted. But they're there. They yeah. They they clean it up. They 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 have a reverence for the Lord, and it's not just on Sunday. It's not just on Saturday. It's it's every day. God is 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 a part of the everyday language there to them, and uh, and is for as little as they have. Like they don't have the problems we like you priorities, right? Uh, the priorities I typically hear about are: I want to get promoted. I need. I, I, I'm gonna. I want more money. My my car is not new enough. There's a newer version I could get. Uh, you know, my watch is it's getting old. I should go get a nice new. Fan. It's always very materialistic. We don't prioritize the simple things in life, like uh, simply a place to lay your head, food on the table, clothes on your back, uh, the, the basic things you need to survive is to where in these places, their priority are, I need to go to the well, I need to get some water so we don't die. Uh, God, I hope I have enough food for the day, for the family. Right. Now, that's a very foreign concept to us. Uh, because we eat and we eat so much that we still complain we want more, even though we have abundantly more than we'll ever need. Uh, so we're not thankful. It's it's we expect it as to where every day they rely on 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 what God said. You know, I, I'll I'll provide your basic needs, and they trust and and count on God <laughs> to provide the basic needs of food. Because uh, if if there's not enough food and they have kids, they they give the food to the kids and they themselves go without. That's not something we experience here. Yeah. Uh, even people in poverty. Well, what's poverty considered? Is it like is it twelve thousand a year and under, or nineteen thousand? Um, I'm not sure. But either way, 
even the people in poverty in the West are doing way better than the average working person in a lot of parts of, of the world. Uh, so, I mean, the priorities are, are very different, but I, I noticed their priorities uh, are more towards helping each other yeah. uh, rather than doing for self. And so I see a lot more community in, in these places. I mean, technically, everyone lives in a community, but pick 10 neighbors. How many of them do you know? What yeah. are their names? Tell me about them. Could you count on them for help? Can they count on you for help? Most people have no idea who even they live next to. Uh, yeah. There, they, they work together. Um, uh, they care about each other. Uh, God is the priority. Uh, they struggle, but they're so loving, helpful. Uh, so, I mean, really, I would say I've, I've seen God at work more in the places where there's struggle than, than where man is not in need of anything, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've noticed, you know, when when believers live in a relative prosperity, when it seems like there's very little resistance to them practicing their faith, we have a propensity toward passivity. And in a lot of cases, we, we take that freedom for granted. But I do know, and Jesus talks about many times, his desire and his plan for his bride, his people, to be vibrant in their faith. And he has a lot of tools that help us grow in our vibrancy. And often we talk about tools like revival. We talk about uh, all kinds of positive influences that Jesus has but sometimes we neglect how sometimes persecution is part of a tool that Jesus will use to beautify his bride and to actually bring us into a greater level of vibrancy and engagement in our faith. And so sometimes I hear people talk about persecution and they imagine what that would look like in the West or where they are and thinking that it would just be the end of the church when really um, the church is very resilient. Uh, people's faith is really resilient. and. Uh, and we see that with these people who, uh, like, like we have our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are experiencing it in a much more tangible way. But I think it also reflects back. Some people say, well, how could God, who's good, use something like judgment or persecution? If you look at even the story of Israel, when Israel had grown just entirely complacent, and then there's this judgment of Babylonian invasion, when Israel would neglect building the temple or caring for the temple at all. And then there's this Babylonian invasion. They're put in exile. It's like, how could such terrible things happen to us? Kind of a mentality. But then you have what happens with Nehemiah's generation, where they're literally so excited to build the temple that they will build the temple with bricks in one hand and a sword in the other hand. Their attitude was completely changed and their vibrancy and engagement was so different. I don't think it's as much a reflection on whether God is good or not. But I think it's a reflection on just our brokenness and our need for help to maintain that vibrancy. Uh, and God knows how to do that best, always to bring Absolutely. about the most redemptive outcome. So uh, I, something I've been trying to be aware of is just looking at, you know, do you feel like you see signs in the Western church that would be trending toward greater persecution of Christians? Or, uh, or what do you think we can do as Western believers to 
to be proactive about our spiritual life and vibrancy well, and even I guess I'll, sorry uh, I guess I'll start with this um the 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 people we've discussed the Christians in in these circumstances who have clung to their faith and struggled and and their faith grew more and more through through persecution and difficulty are one one group yeah I don't believe that to be the case for the West. I yeah. think when persecution comes, uh, an unhealthy number of people are going to fall away from the yeah. faith, uh, just as as the Bible tells us. Right. Uh, because if if he's if if you're wearing a a, a, a crucified Jesus around your neck as as a necklace, but you don't have a crucified Jesus in your heart. When when tough times come, I I I, I promise you, it, it's going to be disappointing how many um, how many people will fall away. But that's that's God sifting the goats from the sheep, right? Because uh, sure. if 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 Christ means anything to you, He means everything to you. You will forsake everything, the whole world and everything in it, for. Christ, there's nothing you would let get in your way. If that's not where you're at on your walk to Christ and you're just cultural, when the tough times come, they'll they'll be gone, uh, and they'll they'll probably join in with the persecutors of the church, right? Yeah. Um. So that's that's going to be that's going to be an interesting time, and and I think the time is is coming. Uh, there are forms of persecution here, um, but as a church, um. If if it's political and we're facing persecution, which you'll see in the news and in Hollywood, oh, the, these people are bigots, these people are are sexist, these people this and that, uh, because we don't agree with the 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 ideology of say, for instance, transgenderism. Uh, then we shouldn't apologize for for our beliefs. They're not our beliefs. This is what God said. And those who love God are obedient to him. Uh, we need to, to stick to the values God has given us and not acquiesce to the world and its, its cavalier attitude towards God's word, the Bible, which... Uh, is it's it's our standard. So I, I think in these times, expect it to get worse unless you're willing to bend your beliefs to a moral, more carnal or worldly way of thinking. But uh, with as bad as it's getting, understand to carry your cross comes with a, a price, and. The world and a lot of people are going to hate you if if you stand on on biblical truth. Expect uh, to not get promoted at work. Expect to be fired for stuff you post on the internet, like the cop, uh, the the young police officer who was fired because he said, "I believe marriage." Uh, well, the Bible says, and this is what I believe: is marriage is between a man and a woman. Full stop. He says, this is, and they fired him. And they said that the only way uh, he would be able to get his job back as a police officer 
would be to remove the post. You know, why, why would he have to do that? Why, why is God so offensive to people when really what he's doing is giving us the answers of how to live a productive life? Uh, but today's society doesn't like it. Um, this progressivism, it's, it, it's, it's the, the antithesis of, of God's beliefs and, and what he has commanded. It's almost in diametric opposition to it. And so you got to take a stand. Uh, there's a lot of, of topics in society today that as a Christian, an honest to God, true servant of the Lord, you can't go along with. You can't do it. Um, and so if if you are involved in these conversations and, and stuff comes up, expect that uh, the world will not be on your side and you have a decision to make. You know, you, yeah. you choose the things of the world or the things of God. Each, uh, every decision has a consequence, whether good or bad. But it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse from here. So uh, just be well versed in his word and ready and ready to stand on it whenever you need to. And, and you don't have to apologize for that. Yeah, I encourage people, you know, as we look at the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross, his last like major message to his disciples is, at the Passover dinner, and you got John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and he talks regularly about the expectation of persecution and hardship and and that the world will resist and that it that the faith that we have and the values that we have, the world is not compatible with in its current state. No. And that incompatibility means that there's going to be conflict and friction. But he ends John 16 by saying, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And he yep. spends those chapters preparing them to lead in that context, where even though things around them destabilize, even though Rome comes and destroys Jerusalem, that doesn't stop the message from being spread all over the earth. It actually causes the, one of the greatest expansions of faith in the kingdom of God in history. So, uh, so like we said, there's ways though, that we need to carry our heart and be intentional. And that's one of the things we really focus on with our Omega business study groups actually in module two specifically looks at what Jesus said in John 13 through 17 and really taking it seriously as leaders. How do we lead with an expectancy that we're going to face trials and storms and how do we lead with confidence through that? So resources that are like that is just a, a reminder that it's really not the time of history where we can coast. It's not the time of history to coast in our faith or to be passive, but just an encouragement to be awake and be engaged and really be intentional about your time and your faith and your walk with Jesus. So uh, that's a huge, I think is a huge lesson for us. It's just the experience that you've had, but with what you shared in the stories and examples you have, I know that that was a catalyst for you to start the Servants of the Way. It's nonprofit to help serve yeah. uh, the persecuted minorities that you found. So could you share about that and how, where we can find that and just ways we can be supportive of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I have, I'm not real big into social media. I, I know I need 
to open it up for the the nonprofit. But I have a website, uh, it's servantsofthewaynp.com, and uh, it's it's not simple, but the premise of it is simple. It's it's twofold, right? Um, help persecuted Christians. Uh, you know, it's literally varies from individual to individual, and then that spreads from region to region. Everyone's got their own issues, uh, whether it be employment, uh, housing, a big one, which again, people don't think about because it's never been an issue for us. Food scarcity, water, you know, without those, everything, you have no other issues in life if, if you don't have those. Um, and then it's to spread the gospel. And, uh, both of these are uh, obviously spreading the gospel. If, if anyone professes Christ as Lord, this you, you you can't you can't have the Spirit of God in you and have the joy you have and 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 to see the changes that God has done in you and not want to give that to other people, uh, especially because uh, overseas the vast majority of my friends and and the people I meet and spend my time with, uh, I love them. A lot of them are Muslim. Uh, and they're super kind. Um, feed me. Uh, they never let you buy anything. Bring you in for drinks. If if you need a place to stay, they'll give you their room and sleep on a couch. Uh, just they've always been so kind, uh, so loving towards me. And it, it's something that often comes up. You know, hey brother, let me uh, let us tell you about Islam. Okay, I would love to hear. And and then I would love to talk to you about Jesus and 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 who Jesus is and and why I believe uh what I believe and it's it's a real grassroots approach yeah uh of of the gospel of of who Jesus is and it it comes not through someone yelling at you on the street corner in a megaphone but it comes through love and through friendship uh, yeah. And and through truly wanting the best uh, for other people, and and I can offer them nothing, but Jesus can offer them salvation, and there's no greater gift. And uh, just going through what I've I've been through, what I've experienced, God put on my heart. Uh, I need to focus on. On, on this region, on, on to help these people the same way when the disciples went out. Some went for the Jews, some went for the Gentiles. Um, this is, I, I think it's just because of the amount of time I've spent in the region. Uh, just, I, I've grown to, to love their culture, their food, their the language. I even, uh, I enjoyed Arabic so much, I, I learned uh, how to read and write and speak Arabic. I'm not good, but I can get by. Uh, but it, I, I just, I can't go about my, my everyday life knowing I have what I have. And, and to see those that you love, you worry for their, their eternity. If, if you really love someone, you, it's not, oh, I love you, let's grab a drink. No, if you really love them, I mean, you, you concern yourself with their eternity. Uh, and it, it's no different if whatever religion or say you're in a place of people who practice no religion 
or claim to agnostic or, or claim to not believe that there is a God. Uh, right. If if you're friends, even if you're not friends, if you really love these people, then you want to reach them. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's different through every you know ethnic group, uh, you know people group where they're from, the culture. It's it's different in each one, but this is this is just kind of a cause that God put on my heart, uh, and so I, I had a, a choice: do I answer the call or not? And uh, you know. I chose to, and this is just something I'm I'm very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to put the link to Servants of the Way for your website on uh, the show notes, so everybody can can see the link wherever they're watching or listening to this. And do you uh, have a good way that people can reach out to you if they want to connect more? Yeah. So I mean, you can reach me on uh, my website in the contact section, or you can email me at um, Servants of the Way. N P for nonprofit at gmail.com. Uh, please, anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm always available and, uh, you know, God knows we can use all the support we can get. And, uh, there's other ways to support that you can see on the website as well. And so I would appreciate if, uh, people would take a look at that. That would be of great help for us. Wonderful. Brett, thank you so much for what you shared. It really was moving to me just listening to the stories and getting to have this conversation with you. I know it'll encourage many who are listening. So thank you so much. God is good, my brother. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for taking the time to do this. I know your kids aren't feeling good, so I pray they feel better. Uh, Have a good weekend. And thanks, God, you gave me another chance at this because the first time just wasn't cutting it. We did great. uh, This is great. (laughs) So God bless you, man. Uh, Bottom of my heart, I appreciate you and uh, have a blessed weekend. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to visit ServantLeaderNetwork.org for more helpful resources for your leadership journey. And always bring your water walking shoes.